Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is The Passover Fulfilled. The Lord's Last Supper, Mark 14, 12 to 24. Now, if you haven't been here or you're just getting here the last couple of weeks, we've just finished up Jesus talking in Mark 13 about the end times. And now we move to the end. He talks about the end times and now we move to the end, the end of his life. He had just filled us in on his second coming and now Jesus completes the purpose of his first coming. Mark 14 starts off with Jesus being anointed for his death and burial. We're going to wait for next week for that one. So come next week for that because I'm going to flip-flop. I don't usually do this. We're going to flip-flop. We're going to do that next week. We're going to jump ahead to verse 12 because it fit perfectly with the day, as you'll see. And next week actually fits well. The anointing of Jesus fits well with Mother's Day, so don't miss that one, all right? But today being Communion Sunday and the Lord, this passage is about the Lord's Last Supper and also the Passover, which was this last week too, right? So everything kind of fit perfectly, so I jumped ahead. You'll have to come next week for the anointing. Now, to set the tone in the context for this story, I was trying to think, what, what is this like? And the closest thing I could come was the Godfather movies, all right? This is the, God, the Godfather, right? That's the way you have to think about it. Remember how they would set up a meal if they wanted to knock off one of the other gangsters, you know, there, one of the mafia guys, they would set up a meal, and then they would do the meal. And I know that if I ever invite you over for dinner, you're like, why is he inviting me? Why is the pastor inviting me over? We're going to, you know, it's a hit. No, I'm kidding. But that's what they do. They set this up, and you would see the guy going to this meal, and they meet in this Italian restaurant, and, and the whole time you're like, no, don't go. Get out of there. Watch out. You know, and you're just waiting for the hit to come. You know, and, there. and this is really what we're seeing Jesus' Last Supper. We're going to see the same thing. It's a very moving story, very emotional, just like you know, the Godfather and all those things that happen. But this is different because Jesus is in control. He's the one calling the shots, as we're going to see. Even though it's his hit, he's the one going to get hit. He's the one calling the shots. His omniscience, his omnipotence is, is all on display here, as we're going to see. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for bringing us here today. And we know we're here for a purpose that your Holy Spirit wants to work in our life. Maybe this is the day of salvation for someone, that we put our faith in you. Maybe this is the day we take another step forward in our faith and grow in our faith, living by faith. We pray that your Holy Spirit, through your mercy and grace, would speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's pick it up. Mark chapter 14 and we're going to do the first, uh, start with verse 12. We're going to look at the Passover preparation. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house, the owner of the house he enters, The teacher asks, Where is my guest room? Where may I eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left and went into the city and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. 
So we see the the Passover preparation. And right from the opening scene here, Jesus is in control. We see his omniscience. We see his omnipotence. He knows everything. He's got the power. We're seeing his divinity shown through this whole passage. It's very clear that that he's he's God's son. And he says you're going to see a guy carrying a water jug, which is going to really stand out because why? Women's work, you know, men don't carry you know, the, the water jug at this time. And, and he says, the teacher asks, get a room ready. So obviously, this, the owner of the house is well known to Jesus. Tradition says that this was Mark's home. Mark who's writing this, that's why he throws in these extra details you won't see anywhere else. So it could have been somebody related to Mark, could have been his brother, could have been his father. So we're not sure, although the owner of the house. But you know, what, let's just say, you could just see, you know, Mark's mom saying to Mark's dad, you know, uh, honey, could you just go out and get some water for me? I'm not going to do that. I got ribbed. Every time I go out and get water, the guy's ribbed me. It's like carrying the, your wife's purse. You know, your wife's got something going on. She hands you the purse and everybody snickers because you're holding a purse. Yeah, so it, it's kind of like that. So this really, really stood out. Um, but once again, it shows Jesus' omniscience. He knew all this was set up. He could see it ahead of time. He could see the future. It shows his, his, his divinity. And then we go from the preparation of the Passover to he predicts... Another thing that shows his omniscience is he predicts his own betrayal. Verses 17 through 21. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said, Surely not I. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. And once again we see Jesus' omniscience. He's in control. He knows exactly what is going to happen and who's going to set him up, who's going to set up the hit. This fulfills a prophecy, Psalm 41.9. In Psalm 41.9 it says, Even my close friend whom I trusted, he who shared my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. And so that the fulfillment, we did a real in-depth study when we were going through the book of John. In John chapter 13, 18 through 20, we did an in-depth study on this, this, this betrayal. If you'd like to hear that, you can get the CD from uh, the table in the back. Just see Katie, and she'll get you set up with that. But there's, there's a whole, we go a whole Sunday just on this passage here. But anyway, Jesus, Passover preparation. He predicts his, he predicts his betrayal. And now we come to the part that really shows his omniscience and omnipotence. He predicts the cross. He predicts how the cross is going to fulfill something. He's, we're going to look at the Passover and the Last Supper. And this is what we're going to camp out on today. Verse 22. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So we all know where this is going. We're, we are hitting the end of the book of Mark. We're hitting the end. We're hitting the, the walk to the cross. Um, we're going to really get into this whole part of it here. But... I want to really focus on the Passover and the connection to the Last Supper. Now, remember, they're eating the Passover meal. When he 
gives us the Lord's Supper, the, the, the bread and the cup. The context is, is a Passover meal. And the Passover meal commemorates God's delivering the Jews from slavery in Egypt. That's what, the, that's what it commemorates. Let's look at Exodus 12. In Exodus 12, 5 to 8, it says, this is Moses, the animals you must choose must be your old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. And this is the Passover. If you've seen Charlton Heston, the Ten Commandments, or some of the newer versions, you saw the Passover very, very well, very well shown in, in, in a movie like that. The roasted lamb, they had, the Passover had three key parts. The roasted lamb was one, and that was a reminder. And when they eat Passover now, the roasted lamb is a reminder of the blood on the doorpost. Remember the blood on the doorpost? They put it at the top and the two sides. Anybody see a, a picture there? And which saved the firstborn from death. It saved the firstborn in each house from dying, from death. Then they also had unleavened bread. Unleavened bread. Why? Because they had to leave. That was a reminder that they had to leave Egypt in a hurry. And also, remember this, leaven is a type of sin in the Bible. Leaven is a type of sin. Remember that, okay? So it was a reminder that they had to leave Egypt in a hurry. And also the dish of bitter herbs. The dish of bitter herbs, which reminded them of their suffering as slaves in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. It was a reminder of that. Now, the Passover was a prophetic picture. It's a type, an Old Testament type of a New Testament fulfillment of what Jesus Christ would fulfill, what he would accomplish. And that is all who put their faith in Jesus, it's for all who will put their faith in Jesus, the Passover lamb. That's what it's, that's what it's a picture of. Jesus is the Passover lamb, and we put our faith in him. Jesus was the ultimate Passover lamb. His blood... The blood on the, the top of the doorframe and the two sides is a picture of the cross and the blood that he would shed on the cross, which saved, just as it saved the, the, the Israelites from being killed by the angel of death, that's what saves us from sin and death. The old covenant between God and Israel has now been transformed into a new covenant between, all who, between God and all who put their faith in Jesus Christ. It's for Jewish and Gentile believers now. That's the new covenant. It's the Passover fulfilled. It's Jesus, the, the Passover lamb who died on the cross for us. It's for Je- Jewish and Gentile believers. In fact, in Romans 1.16 it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith, now remember this key phrase here, that is by faith from first to last. This righteousness, this salvation we're talking about is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. We are saved by faith from first to last. Remember that, because we're going to revisit that, okay? Remember. Back to Mark. Back to Mark fourteen twenty-two to 26, where we're looking at the Passover 
Jesus fulfilled the Passover. And he gives us a new covenant, the Lord's Supper, or communion as we often call it. He sa- it says there in Mark 14, 22 to 26, he took the bread and he broke the Passover unleavened bread. And he said, this is my body. Now remember what I said about leaven. Leaven is a picture of sin. But why is it so important this was unleavened if it's going to represent Jesus? Because he never sinned. He had no sin. He was the perfect lamb of God. The lamb without blemish or defect. Had to be perfect. And that's what Jesus was. He had never sinned. And, and he said, this is my body. Jesus was sinless. And his body was broken for us. And now, he is the bread from heaven. He's the bread from heaven. Just as, as the Israelites went from, the ex, went from Passover and the Exodus into the wilderness. And what, what fed them? Manna. The manna that God sent the bread from heaven and Jesus, as, after he delivers us, he is now the bread from heaven. He's the manna that we have to feed on as we're in the wilderness, on this earth here, before we get the, to, the, to the promised land, until we get to heaven someday. We feed on Christ. We, 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 by faith, we feed on him. And he gives life to everyone, all who put their faith in him, all who put their faith in him and follow him. He gives us life. He gives us that daily sustenance. A man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the, the mouth of God. And, and that's where we get our strength is from, is from Christ. Have you ever put your faith in Christ? His death on the cross. When he, he fulfilled the Passover, he was the lamb. He died on that cross in our place. He took just as that lamb saved them from death, Jesus saves us from sin and death. Just as when they would sacrifice the lamb in the Old Testament, they, they would place their hands on its head and, and kill it. That was because they're symbolically placing their sin on that. And that is what has happened. Our sin has symbolically been placed on Jesus. When we put our faith in him, it's completely put on Jesus. When he died on that cross, his sin, our sin, he became sin in our place. All of our sin was put on him. And we put our faith in him. We are set free from sin and death. We have a new life in Jesus Christ. And from then on, the lamb has been slain. From then on, we no longer, there's no more sacrifice. There's no more cross. There's no more of that. It's, it's feeding on Jesus Christ. It's the bread from heaven. And that's what communion is all about. It's remembering. As we take this bread, we're remembering that we need Jesus. We need communion with him. We need to depend on him. And he also says it back in Mark 14. He says, the Passover cup. This is my blood. This is my blood. Jesus gave new meaning to the bread and the wine of the Passover meal. Now they are now memorials, not of escaping from Egypt, but they're memorials of death on the, his death on the cross and our deliverance from slavery to sin and death. It's the fulfillment of the Passover. That's what the Lord's Supper is all about. And the Jewish believers, those who put their faith in Christ, and the whole early church was Jewish, by the way, they continued to celebrate the Passover, but at the end of the Passover, they finished by celebrating the Lord's Supper. And we as Gentile believers, some of you are Jewish, many of you, actually, we have a good number of Jewish believers here, but those who are just Gentiles, we can celebrate the Passover, but we don't need to because we simply celebrate the communion, the Lord's Supper. I want to look at what Paul says about that. In, in, Paul, in 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul combines all the different passages in the Gospel, and he, and he, he gives us 
one passage for communion that really says it all, I believe. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you... Many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. And he gives us a real warning there how important it is to recognize that this represents the body and blood of Christ. And the point he's making is we have to judge ourselves. Is there sin in our life? Is there something in our life that, that is breaking our communion that we have to repent of before we take the Lord's Supper? Very, very important. Um, he stresses here, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. And I'm going to say this, in this passage and all the different passages, there's not even a hint that this actually turns into the actual body and blood of Jesus. There's no hint of that in Scripture. In fact, if you study church history, that's a superstition that evolved later. It gained traction after Constantine's so-called conversion. Uh, Jesus, and I'll explain a few things to you here. Jesus used bread here. If he really wanted to stress that this was the body and blood, what should he have used? The lamb. There was lamb's flesh there, but he didn't use that because that lamb was sacrificed once for all. He didn't use the, the lamb's flesh. He used bread. Bread is a memorial for his body. And not only that, the lamb, the Lord's Supper, was pre-crossed. He hadn't even died yet. He hadn't been sacrificed yet. So it couldn't have been his body that he's talking about when he holds up the bread. It couldn't have been. It was a memorial. He said, do this in remembrance of me. But let me say this. Even if Jesus did turn the bread and the wine into his actual body and blood, there's nothing in Scripture that says he was going to give the apostles the ability to do that. Nothing, that they were going to have the ability or authority to do that. And even if he had given it to the, the apostles, there's nothing in Scripture that says it was going to be passed on to the priest someday. There's nothing in Scripture about that, about the priest getting this power. And, and there's a book on the back table. I put a bunch of them out there. It's called Truth Encounter. It's by a former high-ranking Roman Catholic clergyman who became born again. He became a Bible-believing Christian, and he, show, he shows, he takes this whole argument apart, and he shows biblically what communion really is. It's called Chapter 8, The Truth About Sacrifice. Read it, because he does a, just a, a really clear job of showing what communion, what the Lord's Supper really is. It says in the Bible, do this in remembrance of me. He does, it doesn't say anywhere in any of the passages, it doesn't say, do this for salvation or so you can get to heaven. Right? doesn't say, Take, do this so that you will be saved. Take this so that you will go to heaven. It doesn't say that. If it was necessary for salvation, as the Catholic Church teaches, it would be spelled out, right? 
I mean, if, think about it. If it was necessary for salvation, it would have to be very, very clear. Or if it was given to the apostles, this magic ability, it would be very, very clear. But the only thing the Bible teaches, the only thing that Scripture teaches very clearly that is necessary for salvation is what? Faith. Faith. The Roman Catholic teaching is that you have to take the Mass to get to heaven. But it doesn't say that anywhere in Scripture. The only thing that it teaches is faith. Faith. The Bible says that we're saved through faith. Romans 1, 16 and 17. Remember what I said? Remember that? What does it say? Faith from first to last. We're saved by faith. We live by faith. There's nothing else involved. All over the scripture we see faith. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Doesn't mention the mass. Whoever believes in him is by faith. John 3, 36. Whoever believes in the name of the son, whoever believes in the son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the son will not see life for God's wrath remains on him. It's whoever believes. The word in, in the Greek is faith. Romans 640, I'm sorry, John 647. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And we are just getting started. That's as far as I'm going today. But verse after verse, we are saved by faith. But, and this is important to understand, the official Roman Catholic teaching gets that wrong too. They teach, teach salvation by faith plus works. Which goes against what God's word says. Faith from first to last. It's, it's, it's works. Even, even after, if, if you, a lot of, many, many, at least half of our church came from a Roman Catholic background. You know what I'm talking about. Even, if, even after you die, where do you go? Purgatory. Because you have to, you have st you, there's still work to do, right? Everybody goes to purgatory, pretty much. Uh, unless you're maybe, maybe Mother Teresa, maybe. That was a maybe. But even in purgatory, what do you have to do? You have to burn and earn your way out. It's still earning salvation. And, and it's very, very important to understand the, the distinction here. Because um, let me just read you a couple things from the Council of Trent. If anyone, this is from the Council of Trent. If anyone says that after the reception of justification, the guilt is so remitted and the depth, debt of eternal punishment so blotted out to every repentant sinner that no debt of temporal punishment remains to be discharged either in this world or in purgatory before the gates of heaven can be opened, let him be anathema. That's exactly what God's word teaches, what they just called anathema, Right? Here's another part. If anyone says that justifying faith is nothing else than confidence in divine mercy, <laughs> which remits sin for Christ's sake, or that it is the confidence alone that justifies us, let him be anathema. Did you hear that? That's exactly what we're depending on. That's exactly what we're trusting in. Jesus Christ. And his completed work. 
And that's exactly our confidence. That we're going to go, and Jesus didn't say to the thief on the cross, if anybody deserved purgatory, it would be that guy. He didn't say, today you will be in purgatory. He said, you will be with me in paradise. Now, if you can't get salvation right, I wouldn't trust the mass thing either. All right? Because it's tied to salvation. I wouldn't trust that either. We are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. Now, I'm going to say this, though. I know many Roman Catholics who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. Many Roman Catholics who, have, who are trusting their, their faith in Christ. They're trusting in Christ. That's what they're depending on. A lot of you are related to them. A lot of you came from that. They, they, they have put their faith in Christ, and that's what they're trusting in. No matter what, how confusing the teaching of the church has been in this, they still are saved by faith. That's, I totally believe that. I have many close friends who are born-again Roman Catholics, and, and it's, it's awesome. But I want to stress that because it's very important that we understand, whether you're Catholic or Protestant, very understand there's nothing we can do. We are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And communion is a constant, is a reminder of that, that we must be saved by faith and that we live by faith and we have to live in close communion with Jesus Christ as we go to communion today I want are, are you saved have you been saved by faith John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ the Passover lamb. Has there been a time in your life where you say, God, I repent of my sin. Every wrong thing I've ever done. I believe you put all of my guilt and sin and shame on your son, Jesus Christ. And he took my place on that cross. He took my place so that I don't have to fear eternal punishment. So I don't have to live an empty life here. I put my faith in him. My trust in Jesus. To forgive me and give me a new life. Have you taken that step? If not, Communion Sunday is a great time to put your faith in Jesus. And as Christians, maybe you've already done that, but are we living by faith? Are we in close communion with Jesus Christ? Communion is a time to reconnect. Remember, recognizing the body and blood and not doing it in an unworthy way? Very important. There's no sin in our life. It's a time to, it's a reminder it's a reminder that we want to be that God wants to be, us to be in close communion with Him. He wants He wants a close relationship with us, and this is the time to really look at our life and clear up anything that's blocking that relationship. Anything, and it's not just once a month. Communion is just a reminder that He wants to commune with us every day, all the time, every hour, every minute, every second. He wants to be in that close relationship with us. But what breaks that? Sin. When we sin, it breaks it. When we're disobedient, something that he's calling us to do, we won't do it. If there's neglect on our part, we're not spending time with Jesus. We're not spending that time with him. And, and we just, we, we feel that. And, and you, know, you, ever, you know when we're, we're sinning or disobedient or not spending time, how do, how do we feel? I know, I know I feel lousy. I feel rotten. And you know why? Because Ephesians 4.30 says... And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Spirit. If we grieve the Spirit, guess how we're going to feel? 
The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, His Holy Spirit comes inside of you and lives in you. And if we grieve Him, how are we going to feel? Grieved. When we sin, we're going we're gonna to sense that conviction. We're going to feel that, that conviction. When, we, when we're disobeying God or not listening to Him in some way, not doing something He wants us to do, we're going to feel miserable. Don't ignore that. Embrace it. Face it. What is God trying to tell me? I'm, I'm miserable for a reason. It, it, or, or if we, we are not spending time with, with, with God, Jesus and, and the Spirit is grieved, we're just going to feel blah. You ever have a blah day like that? I'm not talking about you know, the, the, the rainy day blahs, but I'm talking about blah because we're not spending time with Jesus. And it just keeps building. And, and we're just like, you know, we just, he's trying to draw us back again. The Holy Spirit has been grieved. He's trying to pull us back. He wants us to be in that close communion with him. That close relationship. That life of dependence. So that we can show people the love of Christ in our life. So that we can touch other people's lives. So that we can be salt and light in, in, in this country that we're living in right now. So that we can live out the purpose. He has a purpose for our life. A very important purpose. That's what communion is all about. We're going to take communion here. And how we take it, we just open up the table up front. There's, there's the unleavened bread. There's the cup. You know, we have grape juice. And uh, representing the body and blood of Christ, obviously. And we just have some worship music playing. And when you feel led, just come up and take it. Take it back to your seat. You could take it with family members or someone else. You could take it alone. There's no right or wrong way to take it. However God leads you to take it, it's between you and God. There's only two reasons why you shouldn't take it. Number one is, if you are not a Christian yet, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, don't take it because that's taking it in an unworthy way. Okay, wait and, and wait. Wait till you're ready to take that step. But I hope that today could be that day for you, that you put your faith in Jesus. The second reason, if there's something in our life that he's convicting us of, and we say, I'm going to hang on to this or I'm not going to listen to you, God, and, and we don't listen to him, that's another reason. I might not say if you have sin in your life, no, but we have to confess it. We have, this is the time to confess it and say, God, please forgive me and help me. I need your mercy and grace to keep battling the, the struggles in my life, the sins in my life. But if we're not willing to surrender something, wait. Very, very important. But I hope, I hope that today is the day that we do surrender what we need to surrender to him. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, this time of communion, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you've been trying to live a good enough life to get right with God or follow religious rituals or rules to get right with God or but you realize today that it's by faith from first to last. That there's nothing you can do to earn God's favor. There's nothing that we can do to earn one second in heaven. There's nothing we can do except trusting in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. His death, his resurrection, 
right where you're sitting, you can put your faith in Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Just pray, God, please forgive me for my sin. I repent of my old life, of everything I've ever done against your word. I repent. Please forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus, your son. And I'm going to follow him. I give my life to you, God. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, something amazing has happened to you. God's Holy Spirit has come inside of you, is living in you right now. And you will never be the same. There will be conviction. There will be spiritual encouragement. You will have communion now with God as your Father. You can talk to Him anytime through His Son Jesus. In Jesus' name. You are now God's child. He is now your father. And you can, you have a whole new life ahead of you. I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you have a family member or a friend here. Or you know someone here. Or fill out the card in the bulletin. Stick it in the box. Tell me on the way out. Call me. Text me. Email. Let somebody know. Because we're going to be excited for you. And we want to encourage you in your new life in Christ. But if you've prayed that prayer, you can now commune with God anytime and you can take communion in a whole new way today. Remembering what Jesus has done. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit convicting us? How is he talking to us? What in our life needs to be made right? so that we can have that close intimacy with God, that true joy and that true peace that he wants to give us every day. And we know when we don't have it, we feel rotten, we feel lousy, we feel like life is out of whack. And there's a reason for that because there is no purpose, there is no happiness unless we're close to God, unless we're living in the spirit unless we're living obedient lives lives that glorify God unless we're spending time with our very best friend ever our heavenly father through his son Jesus Father I know we've all carried a lot in I pray that we could lay it all down at the cross again today, remembering what Jesus did at the cross, his death, his body, his blood. 
pray that you would, your spirit would touch us in a special way as we do this in remembrance of your son Jesus. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.